Hi, this is Alison Vickers. And this is Rowan Vickers. Uh, we're two GPs in the Sutherland Shire. And as you can probably tell from the surname, we are a married couple who have practiced together for over 30 years. Talking today about polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS, which is one of the topics Joe Bruce and I are covering in the MedCast Women's Health Series. Given that around one in 10 of our female patients uh, have at PCOS, it really is bread and butter general practice. How do you feel about managing PCOS at the moment? Uh, somewhat unsettled. I avoid the diagnosis. I see ultrasounds coming back with lots of cysts on ovaries, but I'm really unsure as to whether this means they have PCOS or whether it's normal. Women's health in general for male GPs can be somewhat tricky, and I would like to have a, this PCOS more standardised. I think women's health can be very hard for male GPs because women do often seek out female practitioners uh, for their women's health problems. This means you may not get as much exposure to women's health problems. But in terms of finding the diagnosis of PCOS tricky, certainly you're not alone in that. There was a recent Australian study done looking at clinicians' perspectives and they found that there was a general uncertainty about the complexity of diagnosis. What has actually helped me and guided my practice is a 2018 Australian Red International Evidence-Based Guideline was a collaborative effort of 71 countries reviewing the assessment and management of PCOS. The new guidelines recognise that diagnosis is tricky for us health professionals and tried to make it clearer. While in adult women it still recommends the 2003 Rotterdam criteria, there are definitely changes that we now have to consider to how we use the diagnostic criteria in our adolescent patients. Have you got a patient that maybe you can think? Well, yes, I think we can, we can bring up uh, patient Amanda, who's 30 years old. She has and has been treated for severe acne over many years. She's been off the pill over the past short while and she gets about five periods a year. Uh, she wants to fall pregnant and on uh, further discussion I find she has uh, hirsutism but it's difficult to notice as it's treated with laser. Given that Amanda's 30, she falls well into the adult criteria, maybe it's a good idea if we just review the current recommendation, which is that we still use the Rotterdam criteria to diagnose PCOS. Are you familiar with that? I am now. <laughs> so, it's because we've been practicing. I, I wasn't before the day. <laughs> so, so, we'll go through the Rotterdam criteria, which, and that is that there are three diagnostic criteria for PCOS, and you have to have two of the three to fulfill the diagnostic criteria. So the first one is you have to have signs of an anovulatory or oligoovulatory cycle, which means... That's not enough periods. That's not enough periods. That's mm. the easiest way to look at it. And basically less than eight periods a year, but also you've got to think about women who come in who have less than 21-day cycles because even though they're having lots of periods, if you have a less than 21-day cycle... They don't really count. They don't count because you're probably not ovulating. That's the first criteria. 
The second criteria is either clinical or biochemical signs of hyperandrogenism. So this is where this um, severe acne comes in or and obviously hirsutism. That's right. So signs of too much testosterone, acne and hirsutism are the classical ones. Don't forget to ask about the hirsutism because often people are having laser and really it is useful to use a scale, a kind of picture you can look at to assess how bad it is. Do you ever use a scale? No. No, so, so uh, it's a feeling. It's, it's a, a feeling. feeling. Well, there's one called the Ferriman Galway Scale. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. It's a series of pictures with scores underneath, and if the score is more than four to six, that's considered consistent with hirsutism. But don't, of course, forget to always think of racial variation as well. Here and of two. course, other causes for. Um the androgen to be right. Yeah, that's always something that you have to think of. And that, that actually comes into the diagnosis. Apart from the two or three criteria, you absolutely have to have excluded any other causes. Um, so those are the, the clinical signs of too much uh, androgen or testosterone. The biochemical signs is obviously you've got to do a blood test. You've got to check testosterone and free androgen index. I do both because the free androgen index is a little bit more sensitive, more likely to pick it up. But no, apparently you have to watch out for what medications they're on. Being on the pill, being on spironolactone or being on metformin makes these tests inaccurate and they have to be off these four, three months. Yeah, and that is one of the challenges that I've found is that, you know, women come in asking about it, but they're on the medications, they don't want to go off them. So you kind of have to navigate how so you're you going tell to them manage. to go away for three months <laughs> and when they come back, Having been off their pill for three months, if they're not pregnant, we'll then do the test. That's right. So it is tricky, but I do like it if I can do the blood test because I think it just adds to how confident you feel about the diagnosis. The other thing that's really important, if that you do the level and it comes up really high, so a testosterone greater than five nanomoles per litre, really start thinking about other causes. And mm. these are probably going to be the more sinister causes of elevated testosterone. However, if the level comes back as being normal, this does not mean that they do not have hyperandrogenism. It can just be that their testosterone level is elevated, but the lab hasn't been sensitive enough to detect their elevation. So if clinically you think they've got hyperandrogenism, even if they don't have it on their blood test, then it still meets the criteria for the diagnosis. So that's two criteria. The third criteria There's is... obviously the ultrasound. That's right. Finally, the, the only one we've ever used, but anyway. Right. So that's polycystic ovaries on ultrasound, and that's generally regarded as 20 or more follicles on at least one ovary. Uh, that was something that was important for me to know. I didn't, that it can just be on one ovary. And a single ovary bigger than 10 mils that's in size. Right. That's right. And particularly if you're not doing vaginal ultrasound, you're more likely just to be able to see the size of the ovary. And obviously that can be the case in some women. So two of those three criteria and you have a diagnosis. So coming back to Amanda, just thinking about what she had. So she has a severe acne and Hirschutz so she gets one out of three off the pill she's getting five periods a year and that's less than eight so she's got two out of three and that's probably enough. We don't even need to do an ultrasound that's, for her. That's exactly right. And that is really one of the messages from the guidelines, that if you've got two out of three, you really don't have to do the pelvic ultrasound to make the diagnosis. There may be other reasons you want to do the pelvic ultrasound. You know, if it's a woman much later on, you may be wanting to assess her endometrium because if she's had PCOS for years, she may have had unopposed estrogen and you may be looking for something else. But otherwise, to make the diagnosis, Amanda has the diagnosis. But really, when it gets tricky now, 
now is when we start looking at adolescence. So that's adult women. We've really got to look at adolescence differently. And again, it would be nice. Can you think of someone you've seen? Yes, I can think of Kyla. <laughs> just off we the didn't top prepare of, this beforehand. Just off the top of my head, there's an 18 year old uh, girl called Tyler, and she's uh, Kyla, and she's had her first period at 14. She has two to three months between periods, has very mild acne and uh, no hirsutism. Okay, so let's sort of think of it in terms of Kyla. So the first thing, and this is the most important thing, is that you cannot use a pelvic ultrasound as a diagnostic criteria in anyone within the first eight years from when they had their first period. So how old was Carla? She's... She's now four years into her period. So really, we cannot do a pelvic ultrasound. So no. unless you're past eight years, pelvic ultrasound is out. What that means is that you need... Two out of two. Two out of two. That's right. So you've got to have both of the other ones. The second one, again, is tricky. You know, an irregular cycle indicating that you're not ovulating enough. The trouble is, adolescents in our practice have irregular cycles, especially when they're first starting their period. So they've tried to lay down a guideline for us. So they've said in the first year of your period, you're really everybody's irregular, you can't count it. After one year, any cycle greater than 90 days is considered abnormal. And from one to three years, any cycles that are less than 21 days and more than 45 days. After three years, you go back to the less than eight cycles a year. So in terms of Kyla, what was happening she with her? She had two to three months between cycles. So that puts her at less than eight cycles a year that's right because she's, she's more than four she's three been years. more than three years into her period so that's one out of one there but she has mild acne uh, no hirsutism so that's a uh, uh, one out of two i mean it is a subjective call you're just saying that the acne is not that bad she doesn't have hirsutism so we can't really count this as a sign of hyperandrogenism i mean you could go on to do a blood test to check her testosterone and free androgen index if this came up as raised that might make you swing you more towards the fact that she fulfills the criteria nothing is certain it's definitely a tricky situation that's really? right and we can't that's include right. the ultrasound at all so at this point, she does not have PCOS. But of course, that can be revisited. Yeah, and, and that's what the guideline says. You know, if you've got a radar for a younger person that's not meeting the criteria yet, consider them at risk and follow them up later because it might well be that they don't meet the criteria now, but they do in future. I think probably one of the most important points I must make, having really gone through the guidelines, is that in both cases, whether it's an adult woman or an adolescent, the guidelines are that, yes, you have to have the criteria, but you absolutely must exclude another diagnosis as a cause perhaps for the irregular cycle or for the hirsutism or acne and you're thinking of non-classical uh, adrenal hyperplasia very rare 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 cases of maybe a cancer of the adrenal or the ovary and of course things like pregnancy pituitary disorders thyroid disorders so there are other blood tests you must do the investigations that are needed are just about knowing what you're looking for and what tests you need to order. Thinking about the way I've practiced in the past, I've no doubt overdiagnosed and I've no doubt missed people that do have PCOS. So this is a very important set of notes here to, to work out whether we are, are getting to the right people at the right time. 
Yeah, and then, you know, what we can do in terms of, well, obviously, first excluding other causes, but the other thing is, like, do you have PCOS, helping them to protect their endometrium, looking at their fertility planning, and making gentle changes to try and decrease things like their cardiovascular risk for the future. I think it's a hard topic because it's quite dense in information, but really important to go through. And I would encourage you to attend our Women's Health webinar that Joe Bruce and I are running in March, where we'll look into investigations, treatments of PCOS, as well as a range of other women's health topics, including tailored pill taking, a suicide risk and hormonal contraception, postnatal depression and psychosis, menstrual disorders, and issues surrounding HRT, bioidentical, and VTE and stroke risk. Hope very much to see you then. I'll be there. Thanks. Bye. See ya. (laughs)